0: Amen. So, the uh, Happy New Year again. We have, I, I want to say personally, uh, big thank yous. If you were at the, the party, I would uh, thank them with me. But for Jesse and Emmy and Michelle, who planned an incredible party. Uh, thanks for everybody who helped with decorations. And just, you guys did an incredible, incredible job. I am so grateful for you. Um, if you get an opportunity and you can thank them, uh, you guys did a great job. Kyle, great job with the music, everything. So, um, And it was uh, with that, I also want to say thank you to everybody who helped with the Christmas service. For our carol service, uh, particularly, I know my wife is feeding James, but she did a huge amount of work for that. Uh, I think you can hear me, so I love you and you're amazing. Uh, I don't know where she is, but... She's probably out there just feeding James. So, I, um, it's been a, it's been a great year, uh, for me personally. I I think it's been a challenging year in a lot of different ways. But it's been a great year in the fact that I have had, we've had our first child, which is amazing, you know. Um, that comes with, as all the parents know, a slew of, uh, it just turns your world upside down, you know. And it's been, a, it's been an incredible journey, and Chris and I get to enjoy looking at pictures all the time. And it's easy to get like, oh I'm so tired, I'm so this. But then when we look at little videos and clips and the, the good moments, it's easier to remember, you know, and to reflect on the good things that have happened. Um, I, before the year ended, I made my final student loan payment so that I could say, I paid off my loan, Long. So that was nice. I was like, I'm just gonna do it, and so just went ahead and uh, pulled the trigger on that, just so that I'm like, I'm gonna add that to the list for 2016's victories. But you know, for the church, it's been a a, a really, it's been a good year as well. Uh, I think in a lot of ways, you know, for the first time, we've had a con- we we helped someone become a Christian in every one of our ministries this year. You know, and so in the past, we've had. We've, I've been like praying and praying and praying, and then we've seen like, you know, we'll, we'll have one in everyone but one. And then this year, though, this last year in 2016, we did see, we saw a team become a disciple, we saw a campus student become a disciple, we saw uh, marrieds, and we've seen uh, two young professionals as well, or um, a young professional and a single. I mean, it's been great, right? Uh, to see that and to see God working in that way. You know, we, uh, I I don't know how many of us know this, but the New England School of Missions, which is um, part of what we went to, but that's, um, they actually provided a grant for us. We received a $10,000 grant so that we can actually keep Jesse as an intern uh, for this next year, which is an incredible thing, right? And so as, You know, we're not a totally self supported church yet. We're still, um, funded and supported by other ministries in New Hampshire and in Boston. But to be able to receive a $10,000 grant to really help in that is huge. You know, we've, we, for the first time, we not only met, but we exceeded our special missions goal. Right? So that was, that was incredible. You know, it, it was great to see that for years, you know, the church, uh, I know Christian and I and the church has been praying and praying and praying for mature married couples to move in who could really be a part in helping uh, both in marriages and with parenting and all of that. You know, and now we have had we've had the Leaps move in, which is an incredible blessing to us. We're so grateful for them. The, the beer horse have moved here. That's that's on my personal victories. And I think on the church victories list, you know, because that's. They've, they've raised their kids as well. They're incredible disciples. And they've, they've been around for a long time and, and done a lot. You know, in the same sense, I think uh, Surprise Gift, the, I think they're down in Connecticut, but the Granskogs moving in, that was an incredible thing. If you spent much time with either of them, they're so absurdly loving. Uh, Helen is just out of this world. And Carl is just deep. Yes. And yeah. up here, uh, like, you know, uh, on the, the scripture stuff, man, he gets in there. But it's been there's been a lot of great victories for the church and I know that there's been different challenges as well and as Peter said some people are happy to see 2016 go and other people are sad and feel like hey let's let's keep the momentum going from that you know what I think for this new year it's always I do think a time to review you know past goals things you've set you know, and I, I I have no problem with what Peter said. I think sometimes having goals, it's, it's a good thing. It helps me. But I don't really want to talk about goals uh, today. I want to talk about focus, right? Because we can set goals, and they're good. I looked at, at my goals from 2016, and I like to set them every year. I made some new ones. And uh, as I looked at my 2016 goals, I had probably 15 different books on there. I think I read three of them. Uh, you know, I read a lot of other books besides those. But at some point in the year, my goals stopped being my focus, right? I stopped paying attention to that's what I wanted to work on. And what I realized is that what I really need is to figure out what do I need to focus on, right? Right? Where should my focus be? And that's what I want to talk about today. And so uh, the title of this, this morning's sermon is A New Year, A Renewed Focus. Right? A New Year, A Renewed Focus. Because sometimes, this oftentimes is a time of year where maybe you've never really set your eyes on Jesus before. Right? Maybe it's time to, to re-fix our eyes on Jesus. And that and that's a bit of what we're going to talk about and, and looking at his example for us, but in Hebrews chapter twelve, if you got a Bible, let's turn there really quickly. I want to read just this first, this first part here, and we're we're, we're going to start off here, and we're going to uh, end up in a couple different scriptures. But it says this, and starting in verse one, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. You know, uh, my goal is to take a little bit of a different look at some of these scriptures today. You know, but here what we see is the the writer of Hebrews, he's saying, guys, we're called to run a race. Right? We're called to run it. But he says, but to run it, you have to fix your eyes on Jesus. Right? You must fix your eyes on Jesus because otherwise how do you know which race you're running in because run in the race that's been marked out for you right so they do the uh, the Burlington marathon every year and you could go run the distance of a marathon through Burlington but that didn't mean you ran the Burlington marathon it just mean you ran the distance of a marathon in Burlington you guys get what i mean yeah. so the but when we look at this though we look at what's been marked out what is it saying well this idea, I think it's saying, what's marked out for us is the race and the path that Jesus has already laid before us. What does it mean? It means following the example of Jesus. right? Looking at Jesus' ministry, looking at the way he lived his life, what were the things that Jesus himself focused on? right? What did he do? And so that's what I'm hoping to look at today. For us to talk about. How did he live here on earth? And then what does that race look like for us then? Right? You with me? Yeah. Alright. You know, when we look at what it means to be a disciple, because if you're running a race and somebody else is marking the way for you, you're following where they've been. To be a disciple means that we are following where Jesus has already been. Right? Right? We're we're following His example. We're following in the way that He loved and in the way that He was merciful and gracious. And we're following in in a lot of the actions and different things He does. Now, when I think about this, the idea of Jesus, He's saying, yeah, you're going to be my followers. You're going to be that. But at, at some point, you know, when we're following Jesus, we're fixing our eyes on Him. We're striving to know Jesus. And not just know Jesus, but be known by Jesus, right? And I don't know how often we think about that. But in John fifteen fifteen, he says, you know, I now call you my friend, not just a servant. You're my friend. Once you've gotten to know him and he knows you. And that's that should be a lot of our goals. But a disciple is someone who who's really followed him in that way and has fought to know him in that way and be known by him. Does that make sense? Um. And that's all relationship. It's, it's by that relationship. And, I, and I'm making this distinction because it's important for us to see that if we lose the relational element with Jesus, then we're missing the point. Yeah. right? So if you, if you miss that, if you're missing that, uh, okay, this is really about love and connection and the relationships, um, then we're missing the point of Jesus. But there are areas... That, that we can look at and focus on. So I'm probably going to say this again. But what I'm sharing today and the things we focus on, if you forget love and graciousness and mercy, then we're running a different race. Okay? So you've got to understand that. Because that's the heart behind behind all of this. But while on earth, what did Jesus do? You know, Jesus would walk around and he used his own feet to travel, he used his own hands to touch people, he, he would use his own mouth to speak and to preach to people. And so in, in doing those things, he didn't He was providing the example for His disciples, right? He's providing them because at one at, at some point, which he knew is that he would no longer be present. And what he says is, well. Wow, I use my body now. He says, you will later become my body. That's what we look at in uh, 1 Corinthians 12, where we see that we are the body of Christ. We actually become the hands and the feet and the mouth of Jesus. Right? So it's the body of Christ that's called to continue the ministry of Jesus. And it's not... You know, and and while that verse does talk about it... um, it talks about how each part has its own work. You know, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And, but the whole body works together. Uh, we're going to look at three different aspects of how Jesus focused his ministry. I think he focused on three things. He focused on preaching. He focused on teaching. And he focused on serving. Right? And in, in, in 2017, I hope that these can be three things that we focus on as a church. That if we're going to ask something, we go, how does this help us either teach, preach, or serve? Because those are the aspects of Jesus' ministry. And all of those things that we do, we should do with love. Right? And so, when we look at this, like I said, you must remember, it's about the relationship. Uh, If you have a Bible, turn over to Mark chapter 4. What we're going to jump into first, actually, is how Jesus gave his example in teaching. In teaching. In Mark 4, verse 1, says this. I'm going to, jump, I'm going to read 1 and 2, 10 and 11, 33 and 34 if you're following along. And if you're taking notes. So starting in verse 1, it says, Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it on the lake. And while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge, he taught them many things by parable. And in his teachings said, and goes on to give the parable of the sower. Right? But what we see and go on in verse 10 after finishing this parable, it says, when he was alone, the twelve asked the others around him. Uh, the twelve and the others around him asked about the parables. And he told them, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables. It says, so that they may be ever seeing, but never perceiving, ever hearing, but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Look in verse 33. It says, With many similar parables... He, he went and gave some more. It says, With many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them as much as they could understand. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. But when He was alone with His disciples, He explained everything. Now, you gotta look at this picture. So, so paint a picture for yourself. Jesus is here by the seashore, right? Or, or by the Sea of Galilee. And so he's, he's preaching there and such a huge crowd comes that he can't talk to everybody. So he gets out on a boat farther away, which is what's cool, you know, when you're out on the water, if you ever make noise, how, like, sound carries over water is always so interesting. But Jesus is out there and he begins to preach to this huge crowd. And he tells this parable, and then he comes back. And I find it interesting that the Bible says when he was alone. But even though he's alone, you know, they're saying the huge crowds are gone. He's not really alone. He's with his disciples still. And it says for so long I've read the scripture, and he says the twelve, and I only thought the twelve, but it doesn't. The apostles aren't the only ones that are there, right? It says and others. And to those others, who are also his disciples, he's teaching them. Right? And what we see is that it goes on and he continues to teach. He's not just teaching 12, he's teaching more than 12. And there's a couple things I think we can learn from this about Jesus. So we're taking a little bit different view. Some of you probably thought he's going to tell us we need to sow seed uh, when I started the scripture. But here... What we see in Jesus is he's saying, I'm going to teach, I'm going to preach, I'm going to go and give sermons, essentially. But he says, but his disciples would be the ones that he really, those who would really go after learning would be the ones who would learn. And I think we've got to look at how can this apply to us? How do we look at this? As much as the teaching ministry of Jesus, what He did and what He needed for us, how we apply this to ourselves, is actually looking at His disciples. What were they like? They were learners. Right? They were learners. They would not just be there to listen to Jesus, but then they would go later and they'd go, Jesus, what does this mean? And they would ask Him, and they would seek to understand in a deeper level, wanting to know... And so what we see is if for them they desire to know those disciples desire to know. I would say if we desire to be disciples of Jesus, we must also be determined and be eager learners. We must be eager learners. You know, these guys put themselves in situations to learn. And then they weren't satisfied with just that. They went and made sure to ask questions. And I think one of the things that I, I was taught as a young Christian, and I think it's so true, and, and I've even straight... No, I, I, when I talk to uh, so Mike Van Auken, some of us know Mike Van Auken, he leads uh, the church in, in uh, Metro, region of Boston. I try really hard to have a list of questions to, to bring to Mike to our D times. And, and I try to go, here's what's going on, let me ask you about this, let me ask you about that, let me ask you about this. Because what I was taught as a young Christian was I was shown that a disciple is an eager learner. And I would go to Bible studies with the brother who, uh, who helped me become a Christian. So after I became one, he would invite me to go to Bible studies with him where I'd be reaching out to people and he would come and lead them. And then he would ask me this question for like early on. He'd ask me, so what did you learn? What did you learn? And he was providing me with an opportunity to to reflect, but to ask. And then soon, he actually stopped asking me that question. And then he expected me to begin to ask questions myself. And if I wasn't, he would ask me, are you serious about being a learner, a disciple of Jesus? Do you really want to learn? And he would challenge me on it. And he's like, uh, I often got challenged on, on being prideful about it and not wanting to... I mean, feeling like, okay, I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing. Where the reality is, I'm still trying to figure out what I'm doing. You know what I mean? And I'm still trying to understand Jesus better. I'm still trying to understand the Scriptures better. I should, I should still be coming and reflecting. And I love when I can have deep spiritual conversations. You know, my best friend, what I love about he and I, we just have deep conversations because he's deep in God's word and I'm trying to be deep in God's word and then we just share it together. I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but in this, I often would get challenged in, in asking that and this brother telling me, once I let a Bible talk, he goes, hey, you want to be effective for God. You're not asking questions about how can I do a better job? What can you grow in in your character? You're not asking those things. Are you really eager about learning? And these were common things like that, that I was getting challenged with. Because what he was trying to teach me early on is the character of being a disciple is to be an eager learner. And I think that's what you see when you look at these disciples here. You look at Peter throughout so many of the Gospels. The challenge in presenting this point is not picking a scripture, It's or it's not like finding scriptures, it's picking a scripture. Because there's so many examples of the disciples coming and asking and asking and asking because they were just eager to understand. Are you still eager to understand? Right? You know, when I look at this, huge crowds came to Jesus. Right? Hundreds and sometimes thousands of people would come to hear Jesus speak. Right? They would essentially hear him preach sermons, right? You know the Sermon on the Mount. They would you'd have hundreds and thousands of people who would hear him preach. And then what would happen? Most of them would leave. But there would be a few who would stick around to really seek to understand. You know, and I am in no way claiming to be Jesus, okay? But when we hear sermons, do you go... This is God's Word. Even if I preach a bad sermon, this is God's Word, right? God's Word is powerful, alright? So, so even if, if I read a scripture and there's an eager learner heart, the heart to be eager in learning will learn something, right? If God's Word is present. You had hundreds. And then you had the few who would sit and listen and seek to understand Jesus. When you hear God's word, do you eagerly go home to examine scripture and try to understand something? And really take something away? Right? Is it... Do we look at this and and go, I strive to be an instrument... Me, personally, I strive to be an instrument of God's will. I, I try not to be like, yeah, I stand up and preach in front of the church... But I don't want this to be about me. I want this to be God's church. Right? And so when you come, do you think about, hey, what was, do you have the faith to go, God has put this person here to be the mouthpiece. I should try to figure out what God is trying to say. You guys get what I'm saying? Or is it, well, what did this person say? It was presented this way or that way. But going, is there an eager learner's heart? To go home and examine scripture yourself, right? To, to go and, and dig in with others, right? When we look at this scripture, I said there, the first thing we looked at was coming as an eager learner to examine the scriptures later. If, if we can look that at ourselves. But second part of this scripture, I'd say Jesus' personal relationship with them, Right? He laughed, I'm sure. We don't have, I I can't think of any scriptures where it says Jesus laughed. But none of us read like Greek or anything like that. But there's a number of times where I think Jesus actually made a lot of puns. We don't get it because the translation is lost. I think Jesus was very punny, right? And so he he liked to do that. Uh, But knowing that makes me laugh. But I believe that Jesus, he ate with them. He he hung out with them. I'm sure they laughed together. Uh, I I wonder if there was times where Jesus was like, guys, watch this, you know? And, And just had some fun with the guys. I don't know. But what I do know is that he had a deep relationship with them. That was personal. Jesus has given us each other so that we have deep personal relationships. You know, I was saying before, my best friend, what I love about him is that we have conversations because we're both trying to eagerly know Jesus and then we come and we talk about those things. You know, I've, I've enjoyed that already about Peter and I's conversations and, and a few times we've had we've had some times where we just come and he's sharing what he's learning. I'm like, tell me more about that. What do you mean? And, and I love that about him. Hopefully you guys will get some time to hang out with him and Jeanette as well. Because I'm sure you'll also be encouraged by that. But it's it's that aspect of, are you striving to have those relationships? Right? Are you striving to be an eager learner that can also get and and be that for someone else? Does that make sense? Because that's who the disciples of Jesus were they would come together and they'd ask questions and sometimes they'd ask stupid questions and Jesus would say, literally, are you so dull? Right? He'd say stuff like that to them. And I'm always like, wow, Jesus, that was harsh. You know? But I'm trying to understand, you know, and that's my worldly point of view of Jesus and I'm trying to change that. But amen. You know, but it's, it's looking at trying to understand Jesus in the godly way. Right? And I want to study that out and I want to know that better and I want to know Jesus better. But do you? And do you do that with other Christians? Do you do that with other disciples? Does that make sense? You guys hear me? When I think about being a, a, this teaching part of Jesus' ministry, Jesus taught them so that eventually they themselves would be teachers. He knew that that's what they would become. And that's actually what we're going to look at in this next part. Turn over to Mark chapter chapter 6. You may, you may not even have to turn. But in Mark chapter 6, Jesus actually, what we see is he sends out the twelve. Starting in, we'll do the second half of verse 6. It says, Then Jesus went around teaching from village to village, calling the twelve to him. He sent them out two by two and gave them authority over evil spirits. That's pretty cool. These were his instructions. Take nothing for the journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Wear sandals, but not an extra tunic. Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that town. And if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, shake the dust off your feet. And when you leave... Uh, when you leave, as a testimony against them, they went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. You know, this is uh, in Luke, in Luke 9, is a parallel verse to this. In Luke 9, Jesus sends out the 12. In Luke 10, you know who he sends out? He sends out the 72. And for a little while, I used to think, oh, well, this was just, you know, he probably sent out the 12 and at the same time he sent out the other 60 people. No, it was two different times. I think he, he trained those guys. He raised those guys up. He trained more people and raised those people up. And, and the expectation was, hey, my disciples, you know what I'm going to send you out to do? You're going to preach and you're going to serve. You're going to preach and you're going to serve. Now, you know what they had to do before they could preach and they could serve? They had to be eager learners and they had to be taught themselves. And so teaching should be a huge part of our ministry, but that's with an understanding that it grows to maturity and maturity is becoming disciples who are out there preaching and serving with the heart and understanding of who Jesus is. Does that make sense? Yes. So when I say this year goals, I don't want to talk about like, let's share with this many people or let's you know, pray for this many hours or this or that. No. What I want to say is be devoted learners of Jesus. Right? And understand that when you come to maturity, you will be preachers and you will be servers. You had the twelve and I've heard it said that just this was the twelve. I think all disciples are called to be learners, are they not? And if all disciples are called to be learners... Are we not all called to also be teachers to help bring the word to the world, right? Now, different parts of us, different ones of us have different gifts, and I do agree with that. There are so who are just gifted in evangelism. Like, I I love hanging out with Kyle. I love, you know, Kyle's moved here, and he's just an evangelistic guy. I love it. You know, that's a gift of his, Right? There's there's other people who are, I know, to be exceptional servants. People who serve, right? And when I think about that, that's a gift. And then there's teachers, people who just are gifted with teaching. And I think that's a gift of of Peter's and a few other people I know are in the congregation. And it's just a gift that needs to be developed more. But just because you have that gift doesn't mean that you ignore the others. Because we look at Jesus. What was Jesus? He was a man of perfect balance and he had all of these. Maybe we're gifted in one way, but that doesn't mean we neglect the others. Does that make sense? We try to have that balance. And that's where it's a balance of of focus. Recognize your gifts, but also we strive to be like Jesus. Does that make sense? And so with us, when we look at this aspect of of Luke, uh, or we look at this here in Mark, and we see of Jesus' ministry, he's... He taught them. He raised them up. He helped them eventually become prepared to teach themselves. And then he sent them out to preach and to serve. And so when I think of our church, what are we going to do? And and if you're not from here, I know so many of you are visiting. Thanks for coming up to encourage us and be a part of the celebration yesterday. That was awesome. But when you go home, you can take this with you. To be servants, to to grow in learning how to serve and love like Jesus. You cannot be a servant like Jesus without knowing the love and mercy of Christ. And we should serve each other. And if serving isn't happening, you know what that means? It means we're not close enough to understanding who Jesus is. We don't understand His mercy yet. Right? We don't understand His love well enough yet. If, if, If we're not preaching and talking about how incredible Jesus is, then it means we probably have gotten a little too distant away from knowing how amazing Jesus is. We, We don't remember what we have been charged with as disciples, those who hold the very words of God. Salvation is in your hands and it has come to the people today. And it's coming through you, but it's all the more important why we need to be those who preach and help People know God's word. Does that make sense? Yeah. These are basic aspects of Jesus's ministry. He was a teacher. We want to grow, but we've got to start as eager learners. We've got to grow and help teach others, right? And that may be in the in like the one-on-one relationships. You know, I, I don't look at. I'm not saying it as like I'm going to teach Peter. It's no, we're going to teach each other, right? We're going to come to God's Word together and teach one another. Who are you going to come to God's Word with and teach one another? Right? Both as disciples. And then who are you going to reach out to that's not a disciple of Jesus? Right? And help them understand and teach them about Jesus. Right? Getting out there. And that's part of preaching the Word and helping them understand that. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so for all of us, when we look at these scriptures, when we look at Jesus' ministry, what did he do? He preached, he taught, and he served. And he did it with incredible love and compassion and mercy. Church, I pray that this year, I don't want to make it about goals. I want to make it about a focus. That we fix our eyes on Jesus. And that we really strive to learn to be like him. To get our own personal ministry to be personal ministries like his. Where we strive to be like that. I know that I have room to grow. I pray that we can grow together as we fix our eyes on Jesus, run this race to save ourselves, to save our hearers, to help many know God. This has changed me. I know it will change you. And I know it will change our city. I pray that we can be like Jesus and change the world. Amen.